Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we narrowly dodged a bullet on starting Lords of Constructed today. That's right. That's right. Well, I don't know about it narrowly. I think pretty pretty easily dodged the bullet, I would say. But uh, yeah, Ben is referring to, I played in the Mythic Invitational Qualifier. So like if you make top 1200 Mythic in either Limited or Constructed on Arena uh, each month, you get a free entry into the, these tournaments, but they are constructed. But I did make day two, Ben. I made like, it's like making day two of a constructed GP. Yeah, it was super sweet. I played in the very first one ever after making Mythic in uh, Guilds and played Mono Red and promptly 2-2'd, got my sweet card back and decided I was never probably doing that ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a lot of, of magic, even though it's online, it still feels like it takes, you know, it's, that's a, a huge chunk of your Saturday and potentially Sunday. Yeah, sweet that you did well on day one, though. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty, pretty proud. And I do think, you know, like, I don't know how long my like, whatever, foray into playing constructed on the side is going to be. But uh, it was nice to like play in a tournament that had stakes. I think playing constructed is going to just make me a better player period. Like I played a like the Rakdos mid range deck and that has a lot of decisions. And I just think that, that there's a lot of stuff that I'm thinking about. And it's interesting to play in a situation where I feel like I'm like laser focused, you know, I'm never really laser focused when I stream limited, you know, agree. That was my impression when we had a uh, office hours Saturday morning, and I was watching one of our uh, patrons play some standard in the same tournament that you were. And I was just thinking there are so many decisions that matter. And you have to think about what your opponent has and could do and how they're going to react like the the decision making process was pretty deep, it seemed like. Yeah, it feels because, you know, there's only a handful. I mean, standard feels pretty diverse right now, but there's only, you know, there's a handful of decks and there's there's variants or whatever, but feels a little bit closer to chess for, for me, like in terms of kind of having face up information about like what, you know, you know, your opponents on gruel adventures or whatever. You're like, well, I know I need to keep them off of having a five power creature on turn four so they can't play great henge or whatever. So you have these these layers of things of anticipating what's going to happen a lot more than you do in limited yeah sounds sweet speaking of chess have you watched the queen's gambit at all i watched the first episode what, what, what's your verdict it's so good i watched a couple episodes yesterday i'm looking forward to many more nice wow ben we're giving ourselves like two minutes of talking about our non-limited lives but <laughs> that nonsense is over with here we got a lot to get to today we are looking forward to kaladesh remastered coming out on arena on thursday i believe um, a lot of people coming into my chat this week a lot of people asking in our discord like are you guys going to be doing an episode for this and the answer is yes i think we're going to be doing multiple episodes on this set i'm looking forward to you know a, a bit of a reprieve or a new puzzle to solve uh after sort of feeling like zendikar rising has definitely settled so i'm looking forward to it did a full set review of Kaladesh Remastered with Alex, aka Quarter Calls on my stream. That's now available on our YouTube channel. Um, and it's also available in audio form on the Limited Level Ups podcast feed. So if you're looking for like that full five to six hour card by card evaluation, we've got that available for you. Today, we're going to be doing sort of our, our Lords of Limited patented crash course, little crash course light 
uh, type deal, but we are going to go over the mechanics, look at all the colors, rank some commons, all that good stuff that you come to the show for. But before we get into that, some housekeeping to deal with. First things first, the Lords of Limited Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Everybody who gives back to the show gets access to the Discord, but we do, as Ben just mentioned, we have this sort of private section of the Discord for our hero tier patrons, and we just introduced these office hours where Ben and I will just hop into a voice call in Discord for an hour or two every week and let our hero tiers come and, and pick our brain. And maybe it's just hanging out, watching someone play in an MIQ. Maybe it's just hanging out and talking about music. It was really cool to, to listen to you and one of our patrons do that yesterday. I was just sort of a fly on the wall. So a lot of cool stuff going on on the Patreon. You can go over there and, and see if any of those tiers look enticing to you. And we, of course, want to welcome each and every one of our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we're welcoming Nathaniel, Luke, Robert and Michael, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yep, cannot say thank you enough. And in addition to the Patreon, this podcast is now brought to you in part by Channel Fireball as well, channelfireball.com, where you can go for everything you need magic related, whether it's singles or boosters for drafts with people, anything like that. In addition to that, CFP is launching a new product as the holiday season rapidly approaches here, the Ultimate Magic Gift Box, which is pretty sweet. Um, It costs $49.99 $49.99 and you get a package with a bunch of magic goodies. They're typically worth about $100 plus. And there's different tiers of the box if you want to upgrade your ultimate magic box into like the supreme magic box. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't, they don't have names, but <laughs> you can you can uh, add on dollar bills to add more product into your ultimate magic gift box. So the ultimate MTG gift box includes, you know, a bunch of swag. There's booster packs. There's a play mat. There's sleeves. There's a bunch of foil and non-foil promos, typically stuff that you would get at a GP, that sort of thing. So if you've got a friend that is playing Magic and you are interested in getting them a gift, head on over to channelfireball.com. Make sure you use code LOL when you check out there to let them know that we sent you there. And in addition to that, they're giving us one for free to give away to our patrons. Yeah, so we are going to be doing a drawing of that before next episode. Really want to thank Channel Fireball for sponsoring this free giveaway. We're very, very excited to get to uh, use our CFP sponsorship to pay forward to our dear sweet patrons. Um, So if you are a patron of the show by the time the next episode airs, so that'll be next Monday, uh, I guess we'll record on Sunday. So by the time we record next Sunday, if you are a member of the Patreon, we'll be doing a drawing from there and giving away one of these sweet ultimate magic gift boxes. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, Ben, let's dive right in. So Kaladesh was the fall set of 2016, and then Ether Revolt was the winter set of 2017. So this is four years ago, the set came out. So and I know for us, this was like pre podcast pre streaming. And there's a pretty big divide there in terms of our investment in the cards on the set. So we're going to be taking a little trip down memory lane, but memory lane may be a little hazy here. And I think for <laughs> a lot of our listeners, this set probably came out before they started playing Magic. You know, I think a lot of people who have sort of found the game again, maybe from a gap or found the game anew because of Arena, um, this set's going to be new. So I think breaking down the mechanics and and how they play out is going to be important here. Do you think that's really true? Over 50% of our listeners, that's kind of crazy to think about. I think so. That's stunning. That's what I think. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we, we should uh, we should have a poll or something, but that, that would be my <laughs> guess. All right, diving into the mechanics. First one up here is Energy. So most cards that give you energy counters also give you a way to spend them. Energy counters don't intrinsically do anything in and of themselves. Um, So you get the counters. And for example, if if a creature has an ability that gives you some energy counters when it enters the battlefield, you keep those energy counters even if the creature later leaves the battlefield. They don't go away as phases or steps end. They don't go away as the turn ends. The only way for you to lose energy counters once you get them is to spend them. And then like creatures will have abilities that are like, 
spend two energy, put a plus one plus one counter on this. Or whenever this attacks, you can spend three energy to put a plus one plus one counter on it. Or sometimes you can spend energy to do damage from spells or spend energy to give a creature minus one minus one as part of spells. So it's a really cool mechanic. Yeah. So if you've never played with energy, I think it may not seem as powerful as it truly is. Uh, if, if you don't know, this mechanic broke constructed. It was like what started the chain of all these standard bands. Um, it's a free resource. It, cards that are spells like we've seen before, like Attune with Aether is very similar to Reclaim the Waste, right? A single green sorcery, search up a basic land, put it into your hand, and then it's just got oop, two energy tacked on. Or Live Fast is like two and a black sorcery, draw two cards, lose two life, but here's two energy. And that can often feel like an extra part of a card, a fraction of a card, right? Well, whether it's a one and a half for one, one and a quarter for one, but it is this additional resource that you get that the, that you then get to spend for free on other cards later in the game. And the fact that, you know, cashing in energy for some sort of reward doesn't cost mana is quite strong. So my general remembrance is that three energy is worth a card. Yeah, I think that's right, right? So that, that's when you sort of get, but though even some some cards, like there's there's a cycle of creatures that when they attack, they either make servos or get plus and plus one counters on them um, for two energy. Um, but yeah, you really get some busted stuff going at uncommon when you can cash in three energy for something. Next up is vehicles. So vehicles are artifacts that just kind of sit there and have a crew cost. And to activate the crew ability, you tap any number of creatures you control with total power equal to or greater than the crew number. So if a vehicle has crew two, you can tap a two-powered creature. You can tap a three-powered creature. You could tap two one-powered creatures. However you get to two or above doesn't matter. And you can over-crew if that benefits you for some reason. If you want to put your whole team in that vehicle, you can do it. That's true. This is another strong mechanic, though, since this format, I think it's sort of become evergreen. So I imagine people have played with vehicles since then. This feels similar to equipment. Uh, vehicles, much like creatures, like they can't attack the turn that they come into play. They'll have summoning sickness. Um, but they essentially then have this sort of chain effect that every creature you play essentially has haste, right? Because the creature you play, you can then tap that to crew your vehicle and then attack with that vehicle. There's a sort of sweet spot, I think, between crew two and crew three. I think that's sort of the, the magic number threshold. Since crew two, you can reliably do with one creature, whereas crew three, you may not be able to you may have to to put two creatures into that vehicle so that that's my general memory of this mechanic in this format yeah i agree it was a very strong mechanic one thing to note about kaladesh remastered so renegade freighter was kind of the poster child at common for vehicles and that is not in this set it was three mana for a 4-3, right? That whenever it attacked, turned into a 5-4 trampler or something like that and it was only crew two yeah that was the best common in the set and it was it was pretty miserable. I'm very glad to not see it return here. Yeah. So vehicles will be, at least at the common level, not quite as strong as they were without Renegade Freighter. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Next up, we've got Improvise. This is an ability word that allows your artifacts to help cast the spell with Improvise, right? Each artifact you tap pays for one generic mana. So it reduces the cost or essentially turns your artifacts into like mana dorks for the colorless requirement of your spells with Improvise. Right. And if you're playing an improvised deck, artifacts that have some sort of an ETB ability and then just sit on the battlefield and then there's some artifacts that, you know, give you something when they enter and something when they leave. And in between times, you can use them to improvise to tap for mana, which makes those artifacts pretty strong if you're in an improvised deck. And also look out for artifacts that like create multiple bodies, right? So there's like a Cogworkers Puzzle Knot, which is a two-man artifact. Then when it comes into play, you make a 1-1 servo. So that can, you know, potentially power out two turns sooner some of your improvised spells. 
Absolutely. Revolt is next. This is another ability word that appears in front of abilities that depend on a permanent you control leaving the battlefield. So revolt can take several different forms. Sometimes it appears as a bonus on an instant or sorcery spell. Some creatures have revolt abilities that let them enter the battlefield with plus one plus one counters or produce other effects, you know, like maybe minus three minus three to an opponent's creature when they enter the battlefield if you triggered revolt. So and revolt literally cares about did a permanent you control leave the battlefield? Yeah, so I think this this is a lot less powerful in or a lot less reliable in limited than constructed right right in constructed you have and i guess certainly in modern or you know eternal formats you have fetch land so that's like a free way to turn on revolt uh, fatal push probably being the most famous of the cards from this block that that made its way to a lot of uh, eternal formats there's not really a lot of revolt payoffs in the set you know as i was going through the set i was like oh this is like a a cool way to trigger revolt for free and this is a good way to trigger revolt for free but but the payoffs for that aren't really there yep agreed last thing here is fabricate um this is a, an ability that triggers when a creature enters the battlefield but you don't choose counters or tokens until the ability resolves right the fabricate ability goes on the stack and then when it resolves you get to decide what you want to do. So it's like fabricate X and either you can choose X to be that number of plus and plus one counters to be put on the creature or instead you will create X number of one one colorless servo tokens. Yeah, fabricate is really powerful as far as the flexibility of whether, you know, making your creature larger. It's a very skill intensive mechanic. Yeah. Knowing based on what the game state dictates whether you're a plus one plus one counter or an extra body is going to be of more benefit to you. Yeah, and I think it, it also like you know, depending on the card, I feel like each card sort of has a default, right? There's like Glint Sleeve Artisan, which is two and a white for a two two with Fabricate one. You're generally going to make a servo with that. There's Pima Outrider, which is two green green for a three three with Fabricate one, but it has Trample, so that's a situation where I think you're generally going to want the four mana four four Trample. But that flexibility is nice, as you know, like having modal stuff in limited is quite powerful. All right, so just to kick us off here before we get into top commons archetypes that sort of thing just wanted to have a little chat about what we remembered from kaladesh blocks so the first question i've got up here is was the format fast or slow i was talking about this with alex when we did our set review because he said he went back and like watched the limited testing meeting which has inspired our limited testing meeting videos but from back in the day when channel fireball used to do those and there were sort of like two schools of thought right there was the there were the renegade freighter attack all this is an aggro format and then there were the prophetic prism. You can turtle up and use energy to accrue a lot of value and you get these additional resources. There were, there were some, I think, pretty split here. My memory is, is pure renegade freighter, you know, PTSD. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I remember, That's the big question of the format, right? What, were you a renegade freighter or were you a prophetic prism? That sticks out to me about the format. But I, ne I remember never being able to decide where I landed because sometimes you would draft these nuts aggro decks and you would just get stonewalled by your opponents that could slow the game down. And then there were ways to assemble these engines that just generated so much value over the course of a game that were just kind of clunky. But once you slowed the speed of the game down, gave you a lot of inevitability. And then I also remember, you know, just dying to Renegade Freighter coming down on turn three. But I remember never really deciding which side of the line. That's That was one of the hardest things about this format for me was what was my approach and what did I believe? And I, I never really found an answer to it, I don't think. So 
I wanted to take a page out of the Amonkhet Remastered book here and and try and approach this format with the knowledge of, you know, trying to evaluate those cards for that set and then having played with it and seeing where things shook out. So I approach evaluating these cards under the lens of knowing we are only going to play with these cards in best of one. And that sort of started to warp things for me a little bit. So that's going to make me lean towards the aggressive side. Um, but also I think that a lot of the colors, you know, red and white specifically, um, and green can do this as well. I think a lot of those colors play aggro super well. And I think that's only going to be enhanced by best of one. So I'm going to come down on aggro being good here as it often is in, in best of one on arena. Yeah, I think that's a good default place to start, but I am going to be on the lookout for ways to draft those slower decks as well and see if they're viable in best of one. And they were viable in Amonkhet, right? There, there were ways to combat aggro. You just had to look out for them and make sure they were open. Next question I've got here is, are the cards that we actually remember being good are they actually good <laughs> you know like this was pre-podcast and i i drafted a lot uh, i drafted a lot of this set i cared about magic a lot but it was different i wasn't trying to solve the format per se you know i was listening to limited resources and generally taking what they told me and using that to try to draft good decks yeah i have similar memories of pre-podcast pre-streaming magic life of just like i not having opinions myself, right? Relying on limited resources or what I was reading on Channel Fireball or other draft videos I was finding on YouTube and then just applying those to my pick orders or whatever. And But I don't really remember like the archetypes that I drafted or what I thought were top commons or anything like that. And I don't remember, I don't think I played this set that much, right? Pre-podcast sets like, you know, Innistrad or Cons of Tarkir, I have actual memories of those. I don't have a lot of memories of playing this block. Yeah, I remember I drafted this block quite a bit. I liked this block quite a bit. I liked magic a lot at this point in time. Like this was leading up to us both starting streaming, right? Yeah. Ether Revolt came out in the winter of 2017. And then that summer is when we started the podcast. So what do you remember? I mean, you said you don't remember a ton about the format. Is there anything that sticks out to you? I remember liking energy. I remember, you know, green was good in this set. Splashing around was kind of easy. There's a, And as we'll see, when you look at the spoiler, when you when you open your packs, when you start drafting this coming weekend, you're going to see a lot of not only green has fixing, but a lot of colorless fixing as well. Um, so it was it was possible to splash around. So I remember doing that. Or you know, I I have not changed in four years, Ben. I still liked you know derping around and and trying to do cool comboy stuff. So I certainly biased towards like energy value more than than drafting Renegade Freighter Beatdown. Yeah, some of the things that stick out to me were the Renegade Freighter versus Prophetic Prism dichotomy of the format. I remember being frustrated a lot because I would lose to people that were drafting slower decks that looked like they were full of bad card that somehow still, you know, worked together greater than the sum of their parts to beat me. Like, I just remember there being a lot of cool different engines that you could build. And I remember not thinking about magic, like just looking back at this set through the lens of what do I think the top three commons of each color are? Like that was nowhere in my DNA at that point in time when I was playing magic, I don't think. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think I knew about like reading signals or whatever, but not to the extent now. I mean, it's just, it's just much different once you like start to force yourself to try and put thoughts or theories into words you know all right cool i think it was just fun to uh, take a little look back down yeah in there and i'm sure that will will come up as we continue going through these cards here but taking a look at the top commons before we go through the top commons of each color just sort of a general rundown of what our thoughts are on the color after you know combining our hazy memories plus 
analyzing the spoiler as we would now uh, through pre-crash course stuff. So white looks pretty aggressive and it definitely wants to go wide. Yeah, there's four two drop creatures followed by this nice little like three, four, five curve out. There are two payoffs at common for going wide in Dawnfeather Eagle and Inspired Charge. Dawnfeather Eagle is a five mana three, three flyer. ETBs gives your whole team plus and plus one in Vigilance until end of turn. And Inspired Charge we've seen before, two white, white instant creatures you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn. And so White's got, I think, just wants to go like two drop, three drop, four drop, five drop, and then like have some fabricate creatures along the way, some servos, and just go wide on your opponent. Yeah. So leading us into the top white commons, number one, we've got Glint Sleeve Artisan. That's the two and a white two, two with fabricate one. So you either get a two, two plus a one, one servo or you get a three, three. Number two, that's uh, the aforementioned Dawn Feather Eagle. That's a five mana three, three flyer. And number three, we've got a bit of a, a toss up here, a bit of a disagreement. Ethan's got Propeller Pioneer. This is three and a white for a two, one flyer with fabricate one. So you either get a three, two flyer or a two, one flyer plus a one, one. And I've tentatively got revoke privileges here. This is two and a white for the enchantment. Uh, enchanted creature can't attack or block or crew vehicles. So sort of the passive position variant of the set i mean you're a sucker you, you know you're gonna take this <laughs> this enchantment removal out of your top three commons by the time the format's over it's possible so the the distinction here i think or the, the thing that's interesting to talk about and this is where maybe your memory interferes with reality my memory of propeller pioneer is that it was not that great i don't i don't have a memory <laughs> so I, I can't i can't <laughs> say either i can't say yes or no but so i think coming off of our, your synergy theory episode here and thinking about glue cards or inherent synergies within colors. I'm looking for sort of that like one, two, three punch that we sometimes see within a color. So hearkening back to M19, I relate this to like Pegasus Courser on three into Star Crown Stag on four into Angel of the Dawn on five. Or thinking about in red and Zendikar rising, you've got Sneaking Guide on one, Bug Catcher two, Arden Electromancer three. And so this sort of like bing, bing, bing along the curve that we've got of Artisan on three, Pioneer on four, Eagle on five. That that looks really strong to me. And so that's why I've got those three as my top three commons. Yeah, that makes sense. And I could certainly see it being that way. Also worth noting that Propeller Pioneer is white's only good four drop at common. Right. Yeah. Some, some other colors get clogged at four, as we will see coming up. But uh, yeah, white only gets the Pioneer there. All right. Blue is up next. This is looking certainly when you look at the cards in a vacuum, like the weakest color in the set. And it definitely needs the most help from artifacts. But that's Makes sense because blue cares a lot about having artifacts. So maybe when you start to lump the artifacts in with the blue cards, it looks better as a color. Um, but I think one of the best things you can do at common is, you know, just try to gain tempo from improvising. Uh, there's a card, Gear Seeker Serpent, five blue blue for a five six serpent, and it costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. And you can pay five and a blue and it can't be blocked this turn. Card is an absolute house. This is a card I do remember. I remember this being like, Oh, this is a finisher at common. This is a game plan at common. Yeah, it's very, very, very strong. It's weird because I think Blue's commons look to mo best support that like tempo aggro powering out Gear Seeker Serpent life, but then its uncommons look to be more controlling, defensive, maybe playing well with energy. It, Blue seems a little all over the place and it is not very strong. I think it's definitely the weakest of the five colors, at least on first glance. Right. And it's it's split, certainly, right? There are aggressive tempo-y things you can do, but I also remember there being blue decks with the artifacts that just slowed the game down and just won on turn 15 or whatever through these super value engines. So I'm curious to explore that again and see how it works out. Yeah, like blue, blue, black for sure. All right. So ranking the blue commons, what do we got in the number one spot? Number one, I 
feel pretty confident about this ether swooper this is one in the blue for a one two flyer when it enters the battlefield you get two energy and whenever it attacks you can pay two energy and if you do you get a one one servo yes i i feel very confident that that's going to be the number one blue common as well i think the question is going to be are you going to let that push you into blue and i think for right now the answer for me is yes but I'm not sure about that. I mean, we'll have to see once we start playing with the cards. Yeah, I'm I'm going no to start. I'm soft avoiding blue until I feel like maybe things balance out or whatever. But I, I think blue looks junky enough that I, I don't want to get into it at common. We've got Gear Seeker Serpent at number two. Card just wins games. Yep. And at number three, so blue sort of has a problem in the four drop slot. There are five four CMC cards. Uh, at common of the 16 blue commons. The one I'm tentatively picking here as the number three is leave in the dust. This is three and a blue for an instant return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand and you draw a card uh, into the royal. This is not right. The fact that this doesn't have the flexibility of being cast for two to not draw you a card is a huge knock against it. But I still think this might be the, the number three blue common. Yeah. And I think honestly, it doesn't particularly matter, which sounds terrible to say, but like there's just it's so situational past the first two. Yeah, I would agree with that. Moving on to black. I think black feels very similar to how it is in Zendikar Rising. There's like three strong removal spells at common and then something lacking in the creature department. I think black looks to play well with artifacts and also has a number of cool build arounds at uncommon. So I think it's going to play well with a lot of different colors. Um, but I, I think it's it's creatures at common leave something to be desired. That was my exact impression looking at the spoiler. Yeah. So what do we got at number one here? Number one, we've got a daring demolition. This is two black black for a sorcery, destroy target creature or vehicle. Yeah. And that's nice because even though it's sorcery speed, we didn't talk about this with vehicles, but you know, you're often only crewing them on your turn. And so that means they dodge everything but instant speed removal, but this is a, a sorcery speed way to get those vehicles gotten. Die Young is our number two. This is one in a black for a sorcery. You choose target creature, you get two energy counters, and then you can pay any amount of energy. The creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn for each energy paid this way. So, you know, early in the game, picks off an X2 on its own. Maybe if you've got a store of energy, then later in the game, this can pick off a larger threat. Right, and this is where something like Attune with Aether just becomes so busted, right? Yeah. You Attune, you get your land, you've got two energy laying around, and then all of a sudden, because you put a tune with Aether in your deck, Die Young is now a two mana minus four minus four. Yeah, which is wild. Yeah, that's crazy powerful, right? Yeah, and, th and that's the sort of thing in terms of deck building and keeping track of what you've got in your deck or maybe going into the, your first matches, understanding like, all right, these are the cards I want to save my energy for if I can or being aware that you may need to do that. So it's, it's a really interesting resource management game with energy. And then in the number three slot, we've got Subtle Strike. That's one in a black for the instant. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control and target creature and opponent controls gets minus one minus one until end of turn. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of very similar. And I think probably more so there's a lot of like stuff that cares about counters here and, you know, the stuff that cares about counters in Zendikar Rising, maybe not as good, but that's sort of a, a theme here and certainly present in black. We've got some honorable mention creatures to check out here as well. What's the first one of those? So the first one here is Defiant Salvager. This is two and a black for a two, two. You can sack an artifact or creature to put a plus one plus one counter on Defiant Salvager, but you can activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So I, I remember this card looking bad, but playing out better. And perhaps maybe that's now Double Masters is clouding my judgment here. But I do think this was sort of a sleeper or an overperformer in OG uh, Kaladesh block, right? This looks bad because usually we're used to these sack outlets that are free being instant speed. You can do it whenever. But this being sorcery speed isn't 
that big of a knock against it. I want to point out that Hijack is a, an active treason variant in red. It's one red red for a sorcery, gain control of target artifact or vehicle, or gain control of target creature or vehicle until end of turn you untap it, gains haste. So you can you know do the steal and sack thing. It's a free way to trigger revolt, even though revolt doesn't come up very often. Um, there are some artifacts that exist that like care about you know when they die, you get a little bonus. So I think Defiant Salvager is going to do enough little things that it's going to be good. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely got my eye on Defiant Salvager. The other one here is maybe a little bit contentious. Night Market Lookout. Uh, this is black for a 1-1 human rogue. And whenever it becomes tapped, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So I just wanted to point this one out. And there's also a creature in red uh, that we won't talk about elsewhere, but it's a, a three mana, three, two. And when it becomes tapped, it deals a damage to an opponent. And so you might think, well, you know, how often can I be attacking with my one mana, one, one to, you know, get this drain effect. But the real thing for this and that that red creature is vehicles, right? And you can overcrew vehicles. You can tap multiple night market lookouts. I do sort of remember like two to three lookouts and some vehicles being a game plan in and of itself. Like it's really hard to race being drained for two or three a turn. Yes, I remember that as well. I remember it being sort of a backdoor cheese strategy more than I remember it being a good plan A. Nothing says backdoor cheese like best of one, Ben. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, and maybe this does get get a bump in best of one, but it's sort of in the slither blade category in that like you're, you take note when you see one pack one pick three and maybe you also take note pack one pick five and then like pack one pick eight, there's another one and you take it and you try to wheel the other two and then all of a sudden you're drafting a stew. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be a, a thing to look out for. So I just wanted to point that out to our listeners who I think may, on first glance, you go, oh, Night Market Lookout, that looks like junk. What's going on with Red? Red looks super good to me. Very strong. It's got a lot of removal and it plays very well with artifacts. I think it's going to get a boost from best of one also because it looks like it really wants to. It's very focused on, you know, can we play aggressively? And so the fact that all four of the deck's color pairs really want that beatdown plan helps it out a lot as a color i think right there's there's nothing there's nothing really from the commons that makes me go oh there there's more of a defensive strategy here and that's really benefited by i think all four of those color pairs are like very clearly i want to be red white beats with vehicles or go wide i want to be red blue improvised i want to be red black beats i want to be red green beats you know yep so in the number one spot we've got welding sparks this is two in a red for an instant it deals x damage to target creature where x is three plus the number of artifacts you control so this is just good on its own but this is also red's way of dealing with five or more toughness right so it doesn't have like a deal five elsewhere so this is your way to to get that large monster gone as well if you've got a couple of artifacts in the number two slot we've got ether chaser this is one in a red for a two one first strike when it etbs you get two energy and whenever it attacks you may pay two energy if you do make a one one colorless servo artifact creature token I remember that card being really hard to deal with on turn two. It's insane. A two mana, <laughs> two one first strike is just yeah. good in limited in this in this time period. And then the fact that you have the two energy to maybe make a one one or maybe you've got better things to do with your energy. It's like a two one first strike for two mana plus a half a card. And then you can use that servo to power out your improvised stuff. So it's like other than more so than other colors where the you've got the creature that makes a servo this really takes advantage of that you know and then in number three we've got chandra's revolution this is three in red for a sorcery it deals four damage to target creature and then you tap target land that land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step here's my memory of reading this card ben i i remember reading it and going this extra text seems stupid and trinkety and then every time it's relevant it's like the most why me ben warney card yeah. on the planet it's like if you have this on the play if you go like 
two drop, three drop, kill your opponent's creature, and now they can't play their four drop next turn. It's really, really tempo positive. Yeah, it's oppressive. And we got one honorable mention creature here. What's that? Sweatworks Brawler. And I could honestly see this moving into the top yeah. three, maybe over Chandra's Revolution. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Uh, Sweatworks Brawler, three and a red for a three, three menace with Improvise. And so I think four mana, three, three menace is not the worst rate in the world. And if you're making this a three mana, three, three menace, which is not that hard to do, card's very good. I mean, Ether Chaser on two, attack on three, make a servo, Sweatworks Brawler on three. Right. That's a dream curve. That's that's very easy to imagine that happening with those both at common. I completely agree. And speaking of great, I think green is great, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's the thing I'm most excited about this format is that green is actually going to be a good color here. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I think it may be the strongest color for once. That's where I'm I'm at, at least at the start. Save for a couple other creatures in the set, green actually gets to have the biggest threats at common. So like, otherwise there's Gearseeker Serpent, which we talked about, and then red randomly has like a five mana five four. But otherwise, green really does outclass the other creatures, which is what it doesn't really get to do anymore these days. It also has a good bit of support to splash around. It makes the most use of energy. I can see building green decks that smash and green decks that splash. And I think there's perhaps some crossover there as well. That was catchy. Smash and splash. You like that? I like that. So uh, what do we got going on at the number one slot here? Number one, we've got Thriving Rhino. This is really busted two and a green for a two three when it etbs you get two energy and whenever it attacks you can pay two energy if you do put a plus one plus one counter on thriving rhino it's so funny all of my memories of these cards are not with me playing them but it's with facing them down so like <laughs> I, I look at ether chaser and i go oh i remember seeing that on turn two and like thriving rhino i remember seeing that on turn three and just being like oh I can't deal with this, right? This on turn three on the play and then attacking as a three, four, and then green is going to be the place where you get to refuel energy a lot. So that doesn't stop as a three, four, then it's a four, five, it snowballs. Like this has, this was really good in non best of one. And I think best of one is just going to boost this card even more. Right. So there's a, there's an uncommon called long tusk cub. Uh, that's one in a green for a two, two. And whenever it deals damage to an opponent, you get two energy and then at instant speed, you can pay two energy to put a plus one, plus one counter on it. That was one of the most snowball-y cards, but Thriving Rhino was as well. And this is, again, where a tune with Aether just shines, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that these cards snowball so hard is is really, really, really strong, and I think is, like you said, going to be great in best of one. Number two, perhaps uh, off the heels of M21, I, I've got this very high, but I have Hunt the Week here. So this is the three and a green sorcery, put a plus plus one counter on target creature you control, and then it fights target creature you don't control. I think this is good. And again, like I said, there's a lot of plus and plus one counter synergy in green that I think boosts this up as well. Yeah, I could see Hunt the Week being very good. I am curious where it's going to land ultimately against Pima Outrider because my memory of the format is that Pima Outrider was a very high pick as well. Mm -hmm. That's two green green for the three three trample and fabricate one. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, how do you feel about the number three here? I feel great about the number three. And it took a long time for people to realize how good this card was. Mm-hmm. But attune with ether, green, sorcery, search your library for basic land, reveal it, put it in your hand, and then you get two energy. So you're just including some number of attune with ethers in place of lands, and then you just get free energy. Yeah, it, it's a really, really good card. And then the fact that that you get to splash around if you want, basically for free, is quite good too. All right, we got a little debate here before we move on to colorless cards. We have two green, two drops we want to talk about in one corner 
Playing for Lord Tupperware <laughs> is Seed Sculptor. This is one and a green for a one-two. When it enters the battlefield, you put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. In the other corner, we have Sage of Shyless Claim. This is one and a green for a two-one Elf Druid. And when it ETBs, you get three energy. That's my corner. Team Ben. Uh, so my... My excitement about Seed Sculptor is I think the one-two body, you know, we, we've seen this effect a lot. Uh, there was like a Horn Beetle in Guild of Ravnica, like these, these two mana one ones that come into play and you get a counter on them. I think this being a one-two is quite relevant because it can hold off servos. Um, and I think the fact that there's this plus plus one counter synergy in green is really strong. Um, so I think this starts off a good aggressive curve for green in a way that I, I don't think other cards can do. Okay, let me ask you this. Yes, Ben? Okay, so... You would say this card is comparable to Dauntless Survivor, yeah? Yes, not not really. I think the fact that there's not like ways to add counters or like things that let, like grow stuff with counters on them and the fact that that's a 1-1, I think it's I mean, it's sure it's comparable, but this is much better. Much better how? In all the ways that I just said. I, yeah, I guess. Okay. So here's here's my thought process. I think you're attracted to like this effect. And I think Dauntless Survivor was in your top three green commons for Zendikar. Yes. Correct? And it is it is nowhere close to actually being in the top three commons in Zendikar Rising now. And I think this is a similar thing. And that's my memory of Seed Sculptor, that people were hot on this card and thought it was supposed to be good. And then it just never ended up really doing the things you wanted to do. Like your two drops, you just want to trade off. And the fact that Sage is a two drop that you want to trade off and essentially gives you another card because it gave you three energy is really, really powerful. I think Sage will be good if you care about energy, which a lot of green decks will. But I don't think you will need to take it nearly as high as Seed Sculptor, which is why I think Seed Sculptor is higher in my pick order. Interesting. Yeah, I think we're just gonna have to see where it lands because I, I am pretty firmly in the Sage camp. I'm a little nervous about X1s too with uh, with servos floating around too. Yeah, it's a defensive card, Sage is. And I think that the one, like if you put a plus one plus one counter somewhere else, mm-hmm. the one two body's pretty irrelevant from Seed Sculptor. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of X1s. We're, we're gonna have to see. We just have to agree to disagree here. (laughs) So I think after looking at all five colors, this feels like another M21 situation to me. I think Naya looks to be king, and my my preliminary color rankings is green, one, red, two, white, three, then a gap, black, and then a pretty big gap, and then blue. I think that's where I'm at as well, with the caveat that I really want to explore black, blue, derpy artifacts, because I think... There's more there than the value of the cards on face value. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think I think blue black has the potential to play out as a, like a tempo improvised deck. There's like a, a cheesy card, an uncommon that animates an artifact and makes it a five five. I think blue black can definitely do a lot of different flavors. And I think it won't be as unplayable as I think you and I felt or maybe not unplayable, but close to unplayable as we thought blue black was in M21. So it's not perhaps a, a fair comparison, but that's sort of, a, I think, a, an interesting baseline to start with, at least. Yeah, but green and red definitely stand out head and shoulders above the rest of the cards at common to me. Yeah, I think so. All right, taking a look at some colorless cards here. First one we're going to talk about is Cogworkers Puzzle Knot. This is two mana, and when it ETBs, you create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. Then you can pay one and a white to sacrifice the Puzzle Knot to make a 1-1 colorless servo token. So I think even though this has white in its activation, this feels like a secret Grixis card to me. <laughs> like this making multiple artifacts for improvise and to make 
Gearseeker Serpent cheaper by two. I'm really interested in that. Right. That's one thing these puzzle knots all do is they have the effect. They stay on the battlefield for improvise and then you can sack them for value. They're multiple artifacts. This one's the only one that's multiple artifacts. There's a couple other artifacts that are multiple ways, like multiple triggers towards Gearseeker Serpent. But this is going to be great in blue-white. Uh, specifically for Gear Seeker Serpent. It's going to be very good. There's red cards that care about artifacts entering the battlefield. It just does a lot of small things really well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's sort of what you want to look out for. Like, I don't think any of these artifacts are like insanely good, but they're all, you know, because they're colorless, I think they get bumped up in your pick order because they delayed the decision. There's synergy that they have with Improvise or with Revolt potentially. Um, You know, you think about synergies with fabricate if you're making servos you're trying to go wide whatever just looking out for how these cards are going to slot in and and you know you want to draft decks not cards and i think a lot of these are going to be good glue pieces so we, you know we won't talk about all of them but just a handful to look out for so the next one here we've talked about a little bit the sort of you know renegade freighter versus prophetic prism so prism is two mana for an artifact when it etbs draw a card and you can pay one tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool so more colorless fixing here if you want it but just more importantly it's a two mana artifact that cantrips and then stays around on the battlefield to you know give those small bonuses right gives all those bonuses and can tap as a mana rock for improvised things it just does so many things yeah this this is going to be a high pick you're not going to be mad about first picking prism self-assembler is up next this is one i have some fond memories of this is five mana for a four four and when it etbs you search your library for another assembly worker creature card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle your library presumably that is more self-assemblers you know if you end up with four of these very worth it to run four of them in your five drop slot yeah again this gives you like win conditions or like a game plan at common and i'm always interested in that yeah and it's sort of the type same type of thing as night market lookout like you're not taking it super aggressively but if you're the person that gets to take one you know pick seven and then wheel another one then all of a sudden you're taking the third pretty highly Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, there's two vehicles at common that i want to point out the first one is sky skiff this is two mana for a two three flyer with crew one what, what is your memory of this card my memory of this card is that it was fine but not nearly as good as renegade freighter yeah annoying is the word i would use to describe it i think it's annoying the crew one is really nice i, I think this is your choice vehicle at common Yes, I agree. Now that Renegade Freighter is gone. Now that Renegade Freighter is gone. So I think, you know, just be on the lookout for that. And I think you'd happily run one to two in a lot of your decks. RIP 2016 to 2020. I think we're fine. The other one here is Iron Tread Crusher. What's that? This is four mana, six, six vehicle with a crew cost of three. Vanilla, no flash. Yeah, I mean, it's it's big. This is keyword very large. But crew three, I think, is is a little tough. Like we talked about that. There's that divide between crew two and three. It is big, though. I remember this being a gigantic problem at times. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to want one, especially if you're, you know, in, in the red white vehicles deck, you definitely want this. And I think then, you know, once you have this looking out for the three power creatures, you know, that there's a two mana three one in white. Um, I think this is where those those cards then get bumped up a little bit because you're looking for ways to only have one creature hop in this vehicle. Right. Last one here is Renegade Map. This is one mana for an artifact that enters the battlefield tapped and you can tap it, search your library for basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Yeah. Map has a lot of text where it basically feels like Evolving Wilds, right? That costs one. Well, but Evolving Wilds sort of costs one because it comes into play tapped, you know? Yeah. So I think think it plays out very similarly to that card. But then it's also nice that it's a one mana artifact to improvise stuff out early, free way to trigger revolt if you have those handful of cards that matter. This This is a nice little pickup. I agree. So 
to, to try and, you know, use the tools that we've sort of accrued through the years of doing this podcast, Ben, and looking at the commons to influence our decisions about early archetype leaders. What, what, what are you looking at? Yeah, I was just trying to think about where the top commons fit best. And I think the, the top commons in blue and red definitely push you towards a blue-red tempo improvised style deck, right? You've got the Ether Swooper and, and the Ether, Ether Chaser. Chaser. And both of those cards in tandem, like powering out Gear Seeker Serpents, or they're just other strong creatures at Uncommon with Improvise. That is definitely, I think, going to be a very good deck that exists at Common. Yeah, well, another thing is, is that both of Blue Red's Uncommons are absurd. Both Maverick Thopterist and Whirler Virtuoso are just phenomenal cards that we'll get to when we talk about the archetypes. Um, but they're really, really strong, and they just seem to play nicely. And I think Improvise is one of the best things you can be doing, because you not only get support from Blue and Red, but then you get to really utilize a lot of the artifacts. Right. Red-Green looks super strong to me, just because Red and Green seem like the two best colors, and they're commons are also very good good removal good creatures so that seems like a recipe for success blue green there's a lot of support for energy things going on and just energy as a thing i think was the most strongest mechanic to come out of this format and it was teamer energy right that was the standard deck and it was just like almost a very good draft deck <laughs> at some times right yeah and and blue green is the best home to splash and i think splashing red especially as we're talking about teamer being where energy is best but there's a lot of good red energy cards as well that are, are not only provide energy but are good outlets for energy as well right so i've got my eye on rug and then red black and red white were some other ones that stuck out to me as looking to have some pretty pretty strong support at common yeah that's that's some uh some high praise for red all four of red's archetypes being uh ones you're looking out for all right, so let's round things out here by looking at all of the 10 archetypes just to give folks a little primer for what they can expect. You know, we don't want to bog you all down with reading a bunch of cards, blah, 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 but just sort of some broad strokes so that when you you open your packs, you have an idea of what these archetypes are going to look like and, and what, you, what you want your draft deck to align with at the end of uh, all your picks. Yeah, so black-white is up first here. This is sort of an artifact grind color pair and really cares about revolt i think of all the color pairs the most which is where a permanent on your side leaves the battlefield so every color pair has two gold uncommons the the gold uncommons from both kaladesh and ether revolt are here which is pretty sweet so first up is restoration gearsmith this is two white black for a three three and when it enters the battlefield return target artifact or creature card from your graveyard to your hand yeah i mean a, f a four mana three three grave digger it's pretty sweet. Um, I remember this card being good. I mean, the black-white is, is grindy. I think this is a home. You can certainly have black-white be go-wide aggro, but I think it's its most natural home is to be a little bit more grindy and, and resource advantage type. Right. If you get two gearsmiths, you can loop them. Mm -hmm. you know, And then if, all of a sudden, if you're rebuying your gearsmith with a raised dead card, it's getting another card. There's just a lot of good chains you can set up. And the best revolt card is the other uncommon, Hidden Stockpile, white black for an enchantment. Uh, you can pay one, sack a creature, scry one, and it has revolt. You make a 1-1 one, one colorless servo. Yeah, card is great. Card was great in Double Masters. It was great here. Yeah. This is going to be the best home, this color pair. Something like Think Vengeful Rebel. This type of cards, two black, three two, has revolt when it ETBs. If a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, target creature and opponent controls gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. That's the kind of thing you're going to be looking out for in black white. Next up, we got blue green. I think this deck looks really good. So it's like <laughs> you've got written here energy level 9,000. That's really what this deck is looking to do. Make energy, use energy, take advantage of that extra resource. You can splash around here if you want. I don't think this deck is going to play out particularly aggressively, but I could see, you know, Ether Swooper into Thrive. Rhino type deals that that are good. 
Um, but I think you're mostly looking to take advantage of using energy as a resource over multiple turns. Yeah, so the first uncommon here is Rogue Refiner. This is one green-blue for a 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you get two energy. Just raw value. It replaces itself and gives you extra energy. What more could you want? It was banned, Ben. It was banned and constructed. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. The other uncommon here is Imperial Voyager, also one green-blue. This is a 2-3 flying trample, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you get that many energy. So, you know, on its base level getting you two energy when it connects, but you can also find ways to put counters on this or use a combat trick or whatever if you need to find five energy or six energy or something. I, this card is very good. Moving on to red-white as our next color pair. This sort of was a an overarching vehicle color pair. It cared a lot about the vehicles and ways to crew them um, and was a very aggressive color pair. Definitely wanted to beat down. This color pair got a little bit nerfed, I think, without Renegade Freighter existing at common because a lot of the creatures crew vehicles there are still some great vehicles that uncommon though yeah um but like taking a look at the gold uncommons here definitely creatures that care about crewing vehicles so first up is veteran motorist this is a red white for a three one when it etbs you scry two and whenever it crews a vehicle that vehicle gets plus one plus one until end of turn the other one is renegade wheelsmith one red white for a three two whenever it becomes tapped target creature can't block this turn so you know you tap it to crew something and you get that effect or you can just attack with it and it's like a territorial hammer skull or whatever um and i think it's important to note both of these have power three so they can crew the iron tread crusher yes next up we have red green which is just sort of beat down maybe a little energy sub theme maybe a little plus one plus one counter sub theme maybe some improvise going on but it's just red and green are just rock solid and both pretty aggressive colors and i think uh, i think that's why we have this as tier one so voltaic brawler is our first signpost on common it's red green for a three two when it etbs you get two energy and when it attacks you can pay one energy if you do it gets plus one plus one and gains trample until end of turn and second gold uncommon we've got is outland boar this is two red green for a four four can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less yeah i mean neither of those i think are pulls into red green for me like some other cards that we've mentioned so far i think they're they're more rewards rather than reasons to be in the color like i think you're more likely to start off with like some strong commons and then see that fourth but those cards are going to be really good in red right i think green rather than being on the back of its gold uncommons it's going to be good because the commons are busted right i think it's going to be much like you think about red black party and zendikar right i think this is going to be the best deck at common moving on to our last tier one deck here we've got blue red um, headlined by the two gold uncommons we mentioned earlier, Maverick Thopterist and Whirler Virtuoso. So Blue Red cares a lot about artifacts and energy mattering. Um, definitely a lot of improvise from the Ether Revolt cards coming into play here. So Maverick Thopterist, first gold uncommon, is three blue red for a 2-2 with improvise. And whenever it enters the battlefield, create two one-one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. And the other one is Whirler Virtuoso, one blue red for a two-three. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy, and you can pay three energy to create a one-one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. This this is almost like a blue-green card <laughs> as well. Like you're gonna splash this in your blue-green deck a lot. Yeah, Whirler Virtuoso was one of the best cards in Kaladesh. There's a way there's a way to go infinite with Whirler Virtuoso, right? Is there? With like what, the modules or something? I don't know. I vaguely remember <laughs> there being a way to make infinite thopters or to just go off with it in draft. I don't remember what it was. I think because there's a module that's like when a creature enters the battlefield, you gain an energy. So it turns like Virtuoso into only costing two energy really to make the thopter i feel like that's what you're remembering this is it has to be fascinating for our listeners <laughs> anyway so those are our, our, our top decks right we have black white blue green red white green red 
and blue red what's in tier two tier two first up here is blue white um this is a flying deck that cares a lot about blinking and or returning creatures to your hand to recast them so very much a value deck headlined by premium gold uncommon here which is cloud blazer three white blue for a two two flyer when it enters the battlefield you gain two life and you draw two cards and then, uh, you know, this is a fine beater, but I don't know if this is what Blue White's trying to do. You've got Spire Patrol, two white blue for a 3-2 flyer. When it ETBs, you tap target creature and opponent controls, and it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Yeah, card is rock solid. And then so I think the color pair really functions. You have to have a Cloud Blazer or two. But once you do, stuff like Ether Trade Winds goes up a lot in value. This is a common two in the blue for an instant return target permanent you control and target permanent you don't control to their owner's hands so you bounce your cloud blazer and some permanent of your opponents and then recast your cloud blazer for more value there's aviary mechanic at common this is one in a white for a two two when it etbs you have the choice to return another permanent you control to its owner's hand or not so again you can pick up your cloud blazer there's wisp weaver angel at uncommon this is four white white for a four four flyer and when it etbs you can blink a creature you control and then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control so again like re-triggering cloud blazer so i think the color pair definitely relies on having cloud blazer but once you have cloud blazer you can really go off yeah i think otherwise if you're in blue white you want to be on that tempo aggro plan mm-hmm. and just an important safety tip about ether trade winds that says target permanent so you can bounce lands with this Ooh, yeah all right moving on to black green it has two gold uncommons one is very good one is very not good i'll get the not <laughs> i'll get the not good one out of the way here this is hazardous conditions two black green for a sorcery creatures with no counters on them get minus two minus two until end of turn i think this is just basically unplayable in best of one yeah it's not great it's too expensive right? and if your opponent has like you know what if they did play a thriving rhino or something or they did get a counter on it's just like their creatures are going to be too big or maybe it doesn't matter i just feel like this is dead too much of the time and it's too expensive yeah it makes sense whining constrictor is the one that is very good this was an entire deck in standard in this era uh black green for a two three if one or more counters will be placed on an artifact or creature you control that many of those counters plus one are placed on that permanent instead and same thing if you get one or more counters you get that many of those counters plus one instead so it works for energy as well right if you're going to get two energy counters then you would get three mm-hmm. yeah yeah very very strong card it's like very similar to conclave mentor yeah so green black's all about counters matter whether it's energy uh, generally more along the plus one plus one counters line but some energy stuff threaded in there as well yeah and winding constrictor definitely a pull into this color pair last up we've got red black which is artifact aggro headlined by a premium removal spell and a pretty obnoxious creature so unlicensed disintegration is one black red for an instant destroy target creature if you control an artifact it deals three damage to that creature's controller yeah card is very good Weldfast engineer is the other one this is one black red for a three three at the beginning of combat on your turn target artifact creature you control gets plus two plus oh until end of turn my memory as you know so funny we had the like what do you remember about, about the set and i said nothing but now I've, i'm getting these flashbacks my memory of Weldfast engineer was that it was sneaky good turning your servos into three one attackers was big game well that or your thopters you know heaven forbid you get a one one flying thopter yeah for sure so red black was all about i think the artifact aggro life yeah and tier three bringing up the rear we've got blue black and white green though i think i'm not writing off either of these color pairs just yet i just think i'm gonna be a little wary of getting into them at least early on so blue black has sort of again two dueling uncommons it's nice when the uncommons line up like in red 
red, white, or blue, green. I think these are perhaps for slightly different decks. Contraband Kingpin on the more you know controlling side of things, the grindier side. This is blue, black for a one four lifelink, so an absolute you know brick wall on the ground. And whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you scry one. Yeah, card is very good. Definitely going to hold down the ground. Opposite end of the spectrum, we've got Tezzeret's Touch. This is one blue, black for an enchantment aura. Enchant Artifact. Enchanted Artifact's a creature with base power and toughness 5-5 in addition to its other types. And whenever Enchanted Artifact is put into a graveyard, return that card to its owner's hand. So sort of mitigates the two-for-one risk there as well. Uh, this is this is like all that glitters for this set. This is the cheesy card here. You're going to play Ornithopters and Tezzeret's Touches, and when your opponent does that, you're going to feel real bad. You're going to feel bad, but it was a very powerful plan. It's much yeah. better than all the glitters. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true. Or uh, Actually, no. I think it's very similar to all the glitters in Eldraine when you do like the brute all the glitters plan. Yes, I, th- I just think Tezzeret's Touch is a better card. Like it, it buffs your creature larger, faster, and there's no risk of getting two for one. So I think that's a, a thing to look out for, uh, but I think more often than not, Blue Black wants to be a grindy color i think i think contraband kingpin more represents what blue black is trying to do you know get get a lot of two for one value take advantage of a lot of artifacts you know you're scrying you're you're getting card selection etc and green white bringing up the rear here we've got engineered might as the first uncommon green white's very much i think about going wide and tokens uh engineered might three green white for a sorcery you choose one either target creature gets plus five plus five and gains trample until end of turn or creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain vigilance until end of turn this card was not good this card went like last pick yeah it was not great i mean well you have an instant speed plus two plus one right exactly and you have dawn feather eagle at five cmc to pump your stuff or it's just like your commons do it better basically Mm mm-hmm and then the other one is also not very good. Renegade Rallier, one green-white for a 3-2 with Revolt. You can return target permanent card with CMC two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So like, you know, maybe you crack Renegade map and then play a land and cast this and get your map back. Or, you know, you play a two-drop, trade off two-drop, two-drop, and then you cast this on three. But this is it's not a reason to be green-white for sure. All right, so that gives you a sort of a, a broad strokes overview about the, the colors, the archetypes, what, what things are going on. So we're going to dive into a, a quick pack one, pick one here at the end before we wrap things up. So pack one, pick one, you sit down and you see the following cards as options. Dawnfeather Eagle, four and a white for a three, three flyer. When it ETBs, creatures you control get plus one, plus one and gain vigilance until end of turn. One of white's top commons. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad about first picking that. There's Mobile Garrison, three mana, three, four vehicle. Whenever it attacks, untap target artifact or creature you control. And it has a crew cost of two. We didn't talk about this. This is the third vehicle at common and i think it's the worst of the three yeah not great iron tread crushers up next this is four mana for the six six vehicle with crew three i think i'd be on eagle over crusher pack one pick one agree fortuitous find is up next this is two and a black for a sorcery choose one or both return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand and return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand this has black white written all over it i think blue black as well yes certainly true consulate turret is next three mana for the artifact tap you get an energy tap pay three energy consulate turret deals two damage to target player or planeswalker f Never put this card in your deck. F. F. Wow. Hard. terrible. It doesn't do, doesn't even deal damage to creatures. It's just player or planeswalker. This card's Oh, that's right. This card's horrible. <laughs> I remember. I remember that now. I cast this the first time and then was shocked <laughs> when it didn't do damage to creatures. Um, Ether Theorist is next. This is one in a blue for a 1-3. Whenever it enters the battlefield, you get three energy and you can tap, pay an energy, scry one. I remember this little guy being pretty good. Yeah. Three energy's a big game. The scries matter. Helps you find land drops, and then you have some energy laying around. One three is not the most embarrassing body. 
No, I think so. Still Dawn Feather Eagle is the pick at this point though, right? Yeah. Narnum Cobra's up next. Two mana artifact, two one snake, and you can pay a green to give it death touch until end of turn. There's this whole cycle of these. There's five artifacts and then each one of them have a colored activation to give it, you know, menace or vigilance or this one has death touch. I think this is the worst of the bunch. Um, so this is not one I'm super excited about. Others are good. There's like a three mana, three, two and a pay red to give it menace. That's pretty good, but not, not the Cobra implement of malice is next two mana artifact. You can pay a black sacrifice it. Target player discards a card, activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery and whenever it's put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. This is the other half. They sort of fused two cycles together as there's like some puzzle knots and some implements. And again, they all have these like colored activations for each of the five colors and important to note that implement of malice does something when it dies even if you don't sacrifice it using its ability so you could like sack it to the three mana two two in black to draw a card and then put a plus plus one counter on it it's still not a very high pick precise strike is next red instant target creature gets plus one plus oh and gains first strike until end of turn this is this is not the one mana combat trick you want you want uh built to smash Yep, plus three, plus three for single red. Yeah. Ether Poisoner is next. One and a black for a one, one death touch. When it ETBs, you get two energy, and whenever it attacks, you can pay two energy. If you do, make a one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. So unlike Ether Chaser, the two mana, two, one first strike in red, or Swooper, the two mana, one, two flyer in blue, this doesn't have a sort of evasive quality to it, right? Your opponent's going to be thrilled to block this on turn two or three with their two drop or three drop to get this out of the way for their their larger threats to attack. So this has some tension in terms of like, you usually want your 1-1 death touchers to block uh, rather than trade off early. You want this to trade off for a larger threat, but you want to attack so you get the servo. So this, this card has some tension, I think. Next up is Tezzeret's Touch, one blue-black for an aura, enchant artifact. Enchant artifact's creature base power toughness 5-5, five, five, and whenever it's put into a graveyard, return it to its owner's hand. All right, that, this is the best of one test right here, Ben. Do you want to just grab the cheese here? With Tezzeret's Touch, or are you still on Dawn Feather Eagle? I'm still on Dawn Feather Eagle. Me too, me too. Weaponcraft Enthusiast is next. Two and a black for the 01 Fabricate 2. This card is great. That's what I think as well. Three bodies potentially for three mana. Right, and if, especially if you think about the things that Black wants to do. Black has a little bit of improvised, so getting the two creatures that are like mana dorks for your large improvised threats is good. Having like the 01 that can then chump block, and then you can rebuy it with something like the Fortuitous Find that we read earlier in the pack. I think Weaponcraft Enthusiast has jumped up ahead of Dawn Feather Eagle for me. I agree. It's best in black, red, and black, white, I think. Yeah, but I think it can, it can play well in black, green, and you get two counters on it. You know, I, th I think it's just a rock solid card. And next uncommon, Servo Exhibition, one on a white sorcery, create two one one colorless servo artifact creature tokens. This this seems like the best two drop for white if we're thinking about that like go wide chain starting. So this seems really strong. I think I would still take Enthusiast over it. I agree. I would take Enthusiast over it, but it would be ahead of Dawn Feather Eagle for me. Yeah, me too. And Fateful Showdown is our rare two red red instant deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards. This card is terrible. <laughs> yeah, no bueno. Yeah. Uh, interesting pack. Yeah, I think Enthusiast won. It, it's not crazy to think that Tezzeret's Touch could wheel, though I guess it's a pretty weak pack pack that touch will probably be snapped up before the wheel yeah i would think so but maybe a wheel like implement of malice or something certainly a nice pack and i think a good look at kaladesh remastered and i'm excited to after doing this little preview and walking down memory lane see where we're at on cards after playing with them for a week next week yeah really looking forward to uh revisiting this set i think we'll probably 
hang out with Kaladesh Remastered at least for a little while. You know, we've got we've got Zendikar Rising for many months to come. So I think, you know, taking advantage of these flavor of the week or flavor of the month sets will be good for the show. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Go forth and conquer Kaladesh Remastered. And thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast and for sponsoring our giveaway for our patrons. If you want to be eligible for that, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. And if you're heading over to Channel Fireball for any and all things magic related signing up for cfb pro to read all of our awesome kaladesh remastered content that will be coming out over the next few weeks uh, please use code lol all caps at checkout to let them know we sent you there you can check us out on social media i'm at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware ben's at twitch.tv slash mr metronome mr is spelled out both under those same usernames on twitter and you can tweet at the podcast at lords of limited if you have any feedback about the show please shoot us an email at lords of limited at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. My general remembrance was that about three energy was worth. Yeah. Is that not a word? I, I don't know if that's right. No. My no. my general memory. There we go. Of energy. <laughs> my, wow. <laughs> Screamer podcast coming, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, my general memory, I almost said remembrance again. <laughs> I'm like, now I got to Google it. Is this, are you using this correctly or not? Remembrance, remembrance is the definitely ac- a noun. The, it's a, the action of remembering something. All right. You win. Boom.